When it comes to faith, we all have those big questions. Questions that can have a huge effect on our lives. And finding the answer isn't always easy. In fact, it's kind of hard. There are so many opinions and places to find information. It can be overwhelming. So we came up with a way to help. We put together a list of your top questions. Then we made a sermon series based on the things you asked. Each week we'll look at one of these questions and see what God's word says about it. We call this series, Ask Away. All right, go church. How you feeling on Memorial Day weekend? You feel good? You look good? You're not at the beach, at least not yet, and so some of you need to get some sun on your skin before the end of the week, and that's okay, just wear some sunscreen here. But hey, my name is David, I serve uh, as an executive pastor here at Go Church. Just wanna say thank you so much to everyone who's here today in this room, but if you are watching online, and especially if you're already at the beach, we're a little bit jealous, but we love you so much, we welcome you. And then for all of our other campuses tuning in, Montgomery County, Maryland, on the west side of Atlanta, and uh, future campuses to come. And so go church family, we're one family, multiple locations. Can we just make some noise and welcome everyone that's tuning in today? Now, uh, I, I, I mentioned this briefly here, but I wanna, I wanna acknowledge this. And if you've been coming to go church for any period of time, every single week, we always pause to honor the brave men and women that serve in the military, and we're never gonna stop doing that. And uh, today, especially the Memorial Day weekend, is so much more than just, it's the end of the school year, let's celebrate, let's have a cookout, let's get a, an extended weekend. Memorial Day weekend is a time where we pause not only to honor those who are serving, but have served and laid their life down to protect the freedoms that you and I almost walk blindly in because it's just so common to how free we really are, we don't even realize the depths that people had to go to bring us this freedom we have in America today. And if you have served and you are serving, yeah, come on. We celebrate you, we honor you today. But for those that laid their life down, I mean, I'll just never be able to know. I'll never be able to know. The families that might be tuning in online or even in this room that you've lost someone as they were serving in the line of duty, Thank you for your sacrifice. Thank you for what you do. I'm not just saying it, I really mean it. This is a church that loves and respects those who put the needs of others before the needs of themselves. And for that, we're grateful. One more time, can we honor those that fought and died? Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. All right, and then, uh, hey, all the men in the room, okay? Participation here, 100% participation, okay? Take your phone out right now, okay? Men in the room, men in the room, do it, do it. Do it, do it, put it, it's in your, most of you dads, you got the clip, all right? It's an easy access, right? It's clipped right to your belt, even though it's embarrassing and you're embarrassing your kids because of that. I want you to take your phone out and then somebody help, uh, uh, you know, someone nearby if they're struggling with this, scan this QR code right now and you need to man up, okay? In fact, if you're sitting next to a man right now, I want you to look at them in the eye and say, you need to man up. Okay, do it right now. You need to man up, okay? If you have not yet signed up for the Man Up Conference, what are you doing, dog? You need to sign up for the Man Up Conference, okay? Scan the QR code right now, sign up. It's happening June 9th through 10th, and you will be glad you did. Honestly, you gotta get here. There's only a few more spots left. 
we want you to fill it up, and that way it'll save my preaching time next gathering. If it fills up now, I don't have to announce this. So there we go. All right, so that's the Man Up Conference. Hopefully you had enough time. If you need help with it, ask someone at the Next Steps table in the lobby. They'll help you get there. But today, we're continuing this series that we do called Ask Away. You heard it in the bumper video. Every Easter, we ask you for what topics you wanna hear sermons about, and then we give you the top requested sermons, and that's what we preach about. And so today... Uh, is all about family. Last week, we talked about revelation and end times. If you weren't here, you gotta go back and listen, okay? It'll answer a lot of your questions and almost demystifying, all right, the book of Revelation and making it palatable and understandable. So go back and watch that. But uh, today, we're gonna talk all about family, all about family. And so, uh, okay, fine. You wanna see a picture of my family so bad. I'll show you. I, you twist my arm. Look at that. That is my family right there. So this is me and my wife about three months ago. And then this is my brand new little boy, Levi David Waldrop, born April 20th, 2023. And so I'm a dad. And so I just have, I just feel good, but I'm so tired. <laughs> I'm tired. Uh, and so, hey, and if you wanna, can I give you just, this is before the sermon even starts. If you wanna know a way to not annoy the people that are in a season behind you, don't say, oh, well, you just wait, okay? I used to hate that. I'm, I'm doing you guys a favor. When me and Esther were dating, we were so lovey and all the butterflies, and then, oh, well, you just wait till you get married. And I'm like, okay, I will. And then, and then we got married, and they're like, oh, yeah, you love each other now. You just wait till you have kids. And it's like, okay, we got a kid. And it's like, well, you ain't seen nothing. You need to have multiple kids. Hey, just don't do that, okay? That's just, like, so annoying, okay? I love you, but uh, I'm, I haven't, the coffee hasn't hit yet, and I just want you to know, stop saying that to people. It's just really a bummer, okay? And so, uh, anyways, today, we are tackling uh, the subject of family because it was the number two most requested topic, and it's probably because every one of you have a family, okay? Everyone does, what? whether you like it or not, right? Whether you love them or not. Sometimes it's like you love them, but you don't really like them that much. And so, uh, and I know I'm being kind of lighthearted here, but for some of you genuinely, family is actually a, a really sensitive subject for a variety of reasons. And I, and I do wanna be sensitive to that today. And I think it's the number two most requested topic to talk about because I think there's a really key ingredient today uh, that's missing in a lot of our families and we're gonna explore that today. So I'm about to do something. I'm about to read you a, a couple of chunks of passages of scripture coming from the book of Ephesians, which is really more of a letter than a book Paul wrote to the church in Ephesus. And this Christ movement is just penetrating every single aspect of life, including family. And so Paul is writing how Christians should treat one another in every situation. And I'm only gonna show you what he said about families. So. When we open the word of God, or when I tap the screen to show the word of God, do not turn out. You need to listen to this. And then ladies, okay, because I'm about to go through a passage here, don't walk out, okay? I promise it's, it's gonna make sense, okay? But ladies don't typically like this passage, but today you're gonna love it, okay? Because this is for all of us here. So here we go, Ephesians chapter five. Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Wives, submit yourselves to your own husbands as you do to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, as Christ is the head of the church, his body, of which he is the Savior. 
Now as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit to their husbands in everything. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her to make her holy, cleansing her by the washing with water through the word and to present her to himself as a radiant church without stain, wrinkle, or any blemish, but holy and blameless. In the same way, husbands ought to love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. After all, no one ever hated their own body, but they feed and care for their body just as Christ does the church. For we are members of his body. For this reason, and he's quoting from Deuteronomy here, for this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. This is a profound mystery, meaning up until the arrival of Christ on the scene, nobody really understood why marriage existed until now. And Paul's saying, look, mystery solved. Marriage is a lot more than just hanging out. This is a profound mystery, but I am talking about Christ and the church. Marriage is a representation of the way Christ interacts with his church. However, each one of you must love his wife as he loves himself, and the wife must respect her husband. Children, obey your parents and the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with a promise, so that it may go well with you and that you may enjoy long life on the earth. Fathers, do not exasperate your children. Instead, bring them up in the training and instruction of the word. So today, we're looking at one theme. Now, here's one of, another one of my pet peeves uh, that I used to have, especially when I was single. Every time I heard a sermon about family as a single guy, the message was so irrelevant to me every single time. And it was kind of annoying, frankly, because I was like, okay, I'm not married yet, so I, I don't know. I'll try to take notes and remember this for whenever that happens, or I don't have kids yet, so I'll just try to remember. But today, the principle that I wanna talk to you about today is obviously about family, but it's something so much bigger. And I wanna talk to you about a word today and a theme that has been almost turned into a caricature by society, and it's, and it's the word submission. It's the word submitting. Submitting to one another. And so my goal today, because look, <laughs> This passage I just read you, genuinely, I've had people that left our church because we believe that that passage is still relevant and true to this day. This passage flies in the face of American culture. It flies in the face of what is normal today. And so what I wanna help you do is to see not only one, what's the real understanding of what's going on in this passage, but number two, why biblical submission is the best thing, not only for your family, but for your life in general. So I'm gonna pick a few verses from this and we're gonna pick it apart. I'm actually gonna show you seven benefits of biblical submission today. And yes, I'm gonna stick to my time. I know it's Memorial Day weekend, so when you hear seven, it's like, oh God, we're gonna be here all day. No, you're not, all right, so hang in there. You'll be all right. Here we go. Ephesians 5, verse 21. This is, look, and honestly, if you can just get this first one, all the rest of these will be really easy. Submit to one another, one another. He's talking to Christians here. Any Christian of any person, place, gender, age, anything, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ, out of reverence for Christ. So the first thing you need to know about biblical submission is this. 
Biblical submission shows that we are surrendered to Christ. If you are not surrendered to Christ, you are going to have a very, very difficult time submitting to anybody at all. Doing certain things is going to be beneath you, especially doing certain things for certain types of people is going to be beneath you. But this principle right here is so much bigger than family. This should be at the core of every Christian heart, a willingness to submit. And I gotta tell you today, I'm very concerned about the church in America. I really am. I'm very concerned. And the reason why is because the way that you see Christ is going to determine the way that you see submission. And I'm just really worried that what gets taught is that, hey, God loves you, and, and he does. But, but that's it, right? He just loves you because he loves you. But what's been left out is what it cost him to love you how much he really had to do, how low he really had to sink because of how deep your sin and my sin really was, how far he had to go to pull you out of that. And I'm worried that we don't know that. And so the way that you see Christ and the way that you understand Christ is gonna change the way you see submission. Because if Christ is just a good guy, that you follow his example every now and then, you're gonna walk through life, and when you're doing it, you are going to look down at the people that don't. But if you see a perfectly holy God that was so holy that he was separate from sin, yet he became man, put on sinful flesh, and stooped so much lower to reach you where you were and where I was and my sin, and he was willing to do it. He had to go so far to do it, yet he was willing to do it. When you understand the cost, you will not walk around and play around at the cross. You will kneel in his presence, and you will look down, and just like we sang that this is holy ground, you have a reverence and a fear for Christ. And guess what happens when you have a fear for Christ and a reverence for Christ? It's a whole lot more difficult to look down at people and for a, an, an action to be um, beneath you because you are already postured in such a humble way because of what he had to do for you. But too many Christians walking around, looking down at people. Well, I'm not gonna serve him, that's beneath me. I'm not gonna love her, that's beneath. No, it's not. The gospel shows you nothing is beneath a Christian because nothing was beneath Jesus. And when you have a reverent fear of that, serving people will not be all that difficult. The second passage we're gonna look at from this, from this section here, wives, submit yourselves, yourselves, to your own husbands as you do to the Lord. And then skip into verse 25, husbands, Love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. Okay, what is Paul not saying here? Paul is not saying, husbands, make sure your wives are submitting to you or wives, you better make sure your man's is taking care of you. He's not saying that. He's saying, wives, submit yourselves. Choose it, choose submission. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up. We didn't demand him come down. He willingly offered it. We're not gonna demand submission from one another. We're going to willingly offer it. And that's our second principle. And this is why biblical submission is so good. 
Submitting to one another is willfully demonstrated, not demanded. Biblical submission is so much more powerful when it's demonstrated, not when it's demanded. And in any relationship, if you wanna know a real quick way to empty out the intimacy of a relationship, husband, wife, father, child, friend to friend, you choose. The quickest way to fizzle out that relationship is to start making demands about what that person needs to do for you. Think of it like a, think of it like a bank account, right? Uh, you can make deposits and you can make withdrawals. And mind-blowing here, but when you make more deposits than you do withdrawals, you actually have a bigger bank account and you have more money. And relationships, some of y'all, this is a reminder, you need to pay your bills, okay? It's the end of the month. You need to sit, that, they're gonna shut your water off real quick, all right? So you need to pay your bills. But when you have a relationship and you're constantly making withdrawal, withdrawal, and I just don't understand why he don't love me anymore, or I don't understand she used to do blah, 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 or I don't know why my kids, listen, when's the last time you made a deposit without the expectation of a withdrawal down the road? Because that's not submission, that's coercion, okay? And that's a huge difference. It's not, well, I'm gonna do this for you because I've got this secret favor. And, well, no, I'm not going there. <laughs> I, want you, I want all the ladies. So uh, you're not gonna coerce people into loving you, right? You're gonna willfully choose it. You're choosing these things. Why do you think that so many adults today, their only healthy relationship they have is with their children? Why is that? I'll tell you why. It's because that is the only relationship that we have on this earth that's come so natural that we make deposits without expecting any withdrawal from that child. Levi, my one-month-old boy, he adds no value to our household whatsoever other than his cute little smile, okay? He don't help with nothing. He's pooping everywhere. I have been peed on more times than any human should ever be peed on. It's ridiculous. But I, lo- I, I will do anything for that guy. I love him so much. And it's more than just because he's my kid. It's because we're making deposit after deposit after deposit without expecting any withdrawal. I don't even need him to do anything for me ever. I'd love him to take care of me when I get old, but hey, you know, who knows, right? Maybe Jesus will come back before then. So I'm making deposit after, and because I'm doing that, the relationship is so rich, and I don't need anything from him. And if you saw all your relationships like that, I promise you your family dynamic would start to change forever. And that principle exists because we serve a God who did the exact same thing. He, he was demonstrating his love for us before he ever asked us to do anything else. He said, I'm here for you. I will demonstrate my love for you. He told his disciples, as I have loved you, now go love one another. I've shown you my love for you. Now I'm making a withdrawal. I want you to go and do the same thing because you have a debt to me forever for what I did for you. That's why this principle is power. Let's keep going. Same two verses, but I'm highlighting different words here. Wives, submit to your own husbands as you do to the Lord. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. Again, when you read scripture, you can get a lot of power from what the scripture is saying, but you can also get a lot of power from what it's not saying. And Paul is not saying, wives, submit to your husbands. He's a good guy. He works so hard. I mean, he took out the trash two weeks ago, 
right? I mean, he's working so hard. He didn't say that. He didn't say, husbands, love your wives because she's so sweet and she's so cute and you love her. He didn't say that. He said, wives, submit to your husbands as you do to the Lord. And husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church. He wants them to revere God's design for families as they truly revere God himself. He's saying, if you really revere God, I want you to revere God's design for families. He's basically saying, I want you to trust me in this. Not more importantly, I want you to trust God in this. He already demonstrated his love for you, now he's given you a command to serve and submit to one another. And here's what that means, our third principle here. Submitting to one another is not about the worthiness of the individual. It's about the worship of Christ. Huge difference here. It's not saying your man deserves a hot meal or your wife deserves a date night, which she does, by the way. You need to take her on a date, okay? Because if there's anything I've learned in this fatherhood journey, women are heroes and you just, I don't even know. I don't even know. Girl power, all right? Girl power, that's how I feel right now because y'all are something else. So y'all actually do probably deserve it. But, but that's not why we submit. It's not because they've earned it. It's not because they deserve it. It's because it's an act of worship. When you revere God, you revere his designs. And when you follow his designs, that is in itself an act of worship. Now, let me, let me pause because I gotta acknowledge a couple of pushbacks here that are very valid, and I'm gonna be very sensitive to this. Number one, serious, serious thing here. What if, my, what if my spouse or my parent or my family member, what if they're abusive, verbally and or physically? Is that what this means? Okay, couple of things. Submission, biblical submission, does not mean become a doormat. That is not what Christianity teaches. In fact, it is unloving to allow someone to continue in a lifestyle of sin. That is an unloving thing to do. And so you need to do, and, and that includes sin against you, by the way. And so you need to do, and I'm not a counselor, but you need to talk to a counselor and you need to report anything to the authorities that you need to do. You need to talk to a counselor if you're not in a safe situation. That is a separate thing you can still choose honor because we're not gonna be mad, we're not wrestling against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers. So the goal is restoration of that individual, but you have to be safe, okay? So I gotta get that disclaimer out there because I don't want anyone in an abusive situation. That is not what this passage is even teaching. And then number two, what if my spouse, parent, family member is not a Christian, okay? What if they're not a Christian? Well, a couple of things here, and you'll see this when it talks about the, the fathers to the children and children to the fathers. Honor does not mean complete agreement or compliance to any unbiblical commands, okay? Any unbiblical commands should always be met with a stiff arm, all right? You should always say, ah, that goes against the word of God, always. We do not dishonor God in order to honor our parents, however, Honor means we respect the individual, and you can agree to disagree, okay? But on top of that, if you have a family member that is not a follower of Jesus, 
you can still love, serve, and honor them because of who God created them to be and do what we say at the end of every gathering. Love them into a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. We love them. We're gonna serve them into it because God still put value on their life. He determined their value. He said they were worth dying for. So there's nothing beneath you to serve them, love them, and honor them. Now, let's talk about honor for a second because this is where American culture and Bible culture disagree. American culture says, well, you can honor and respect people when they earn it, if they deserve it. But the moment they behave in a way that disagrees with whatever the ever-changing American culture, good luck even keeping up with what's acceptable and not in American culture. That's a whole nother sermon for a whole nother day. But if American culture says, nope, they did something that we collectively disagree with, they're dead to us. You can dishonor them all you want to, drag them through the mud, put them on every news outlet that you can think of, bash them, destroy them, ruin them. Okay, that's the world's way, and that's not God's way. And listen, I'm going outside of family here, but if you are dragging anyone through the mud, you are not acting in line with the gospel, and you need to repent and get back into alignment with it because we, again, are not wrestling against flesh and blood. Your job is not to beat people down. It's restoration so we can rebuke any behaviors, but we do not resist the people. The people need to be restored, okay? So honor can be extended to anyone regardless of their worthiness. Doesn't mean we affirm the behavior, but you can show people honor the way that Christ honored us. And that's why we honor. Culture says, we'll honor and respect you if you deserve it. Christ says, I will honor and respect you until you deserve it. I'm gonna purify you. And I'm getting ahead of my notes here. But he says, if you want honor, then give it away. You want more honor from your Father in heaven? Then give it all away. Don't need it from people. Give it to people, and then God will honor us. And he modeled this. He's not commanding anything that he didn't demonstrate. He became a servant to us, despite our level of unworthiness. And if I need to remind you of this, I will. Guys, what, what amount of grace do we deserve from God? None. I mean, my unworthiness, I can't even believe he would do it. I can't even believe he would love me where I was. But he didn't just sit up there and say, well, I'll die for you whenever you deserve it, okay? You guys clean your act up down there, and then I'm gonna come from heaven to earth. He didn't do that. He got into the mess. He got into the mud. He got into the dirt, and, and we, we, we crucified him for it. He got into our situation so that he could pull us out. He showed us honor before we were honorable, and you and I have no choice but to do the same thing if we really revere what he's done for us. Keeping going here. I hope you're with me, but if not, I'm just gonna keep talking. Uh, Verse 25, husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her to make her holy cleansing her by the washing with water through the word and to present her to himself as a radiant church without stain, wrinkle, or any other blemish, holy and blameless. When I started dating Esther, January 2017, this girl, it took her one month and she decided that my entire wardrobe was horrible. (laughs) She said, your jeans are all, I don't even know. She's like, this is, no, no, 
that's gotta go, that's gotta go. She just started cleaning out my closet. She started making me eat like an adult, okay, because I was just eating like a bachelor. Anything that was frozen that could just be popped in the microwave, that was breakfast, lunch, dinner, and she said, you're gonna eat like an adult, you're gonna go to the gym, and you're gonna dress better because women are heroes, okay? And so she did that, and now I'm basically perfect, okay? I mean, <laughs> that was the best laugh I've ever gotten in a sermon. Oh, gosh. But because I allowed her to challenge me and to purify me, I mean, I really, serious, I really, I'm in the best shape of my life, and I, I mean, she dresses me. She tells me when something looks good and when it doesn't. She has made me so much better. Now, going a little deeper than that, I want, to, I want you to focus on verse 27 right here because a couple years ago, I read a book, and man, rest in peace, Timothy Keller. Goodness, man, I lost one of my heroes of the faith, but he, he and his wife wrote this book called The Meaning of Marriage, and in this book, it talked about this passage here specifically, verse 27, and it changed the way I see everything about marriage and family in general, and I don't want you to miss it, so I need you to lean in right here and focus here because this is what it's talking about, to present her to himself, the bride of Christ, being presented to God, a radiant church without stain, wrinkle, or any other blemish, holy and blameless. He gave this illustration, and I'll make it personal for my story. On October 12th, 2019, right here in this room, my wife was uh, in the go suite backstage, and all of her very, very closest friends and family were beautifying her. I mean, they were all the hair, all the makeup, making sure everything fit just right, the shoes, everything, making her look absolutely flawless because they knew that that was the most important day of her life and the most important day of my life. And the moment that I laid eyes on her as she walked down the aisle right here in this room, and I remember it still, they made sure there was no blemish on her whatsoever because she was being presented to her groom. And that right there is exactly what marriage and family on this earth is supposed to be. A recognition that yes, on this earth, that wedding day is forever the most, single most important day of my life and Esther's life. But it pales in comparison to the true wedding day for her and I when we will be standing before the groom, Jesus Christ, who laid his life down to marry us, to have relationship with us, and her and I will both be that bride. And we, our family, the job of our family, number one mission in our family is to make sure that when we stand before our groom, that we are without blemish. And that marriage is a covenant that locks us in. And she can say, David, listen, no one's ever told you this, but X, Y, Z, you gotta fix it because it's not in alignment. You gotta get ready for your groom. And I can tell her all of this, X, Y, Z, you gotta fix this. And I'm beautifying all the parts of her that, that need to be beautified before she stands before Christ because that is the ultimate wedding day. That is the goal that we are looking forward to. That is the meaning of marriage. That is the meaning of family. And if you are... You should be no more broken for anything else than the sin that exists in your family, the sin in your spouse, the sin in your children and your brothers and sisters, aunts, uncles, cousins. That sin should break you. It should break you so much to the point where you've gotta say something about it. 
You've gotta do something about it. You've gotta speak with love and with truth because they're gonna stand before the groom. They're gonna stand before him and they need to hear it. They need to know. What if she would've walked down the aisle with ketchup all over her shirt, like all over her dress? No, we gotta make sure the bride is being presented to the groom perfect without stain or blemish. And that's what this principle of submission does for us. It prepares us to be presented to Christ. Do you allow your family, and I don't care if you are the man of your house, do you allow your family to challenge you in areas that you need to be conformed to the image of Christ? Okay, I don't care how much you can bench press, I don't care how strong you are, when your family is trying to tell you in a loving way that you gotta deal with this because you're gonna stand before God one day, how much resistance is that met with? Okay, don't be elbowing people next to you, all right? Because that's for you too, right? So this is for all of us here. Be broken over the sin of your family enough to communicate the truth in love for the goal of restoration. And listen, don't be so defensive. It's hard to say something like that. To, don't you know how much prep work they did before they challenged you in that certain area? Do you know how difficult it was for them to say that to you? Recognize that and know they love you. And even if they're a bad communicator, still let the truth get in, okay? Let the truth get in. I gotta keep going here. In the same way, husbands ought to love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. After all, no one ever hated their own body, but they feed and care for their body just as Christ does the church. For we are members of his body. For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. Paul is saying here very, very clearly that families uh, that submit or don't submit, that's the, it's the choice between flourishing or, fr or fracturing, right? One of those two things, how much are you willing to submit? Because your level of submission is gonna determine whether you flourish or whether you fracture. And listen, I, I, I gotta tell you this because I wanna tell you a principle about the world, but before I do that, I need you to know something. Let me talk to the Christians for a second. Stop being surprised when the world acts like the world, okay? This is not a new thing, people. The world has always behaved in a way, ever since the fall of man, the world has always behaved in a way that is contrary to God's design. That is just the way it is. This is not new, it's not getting worse, it's just getting filmed, okay? It's everywhere, but it's always been real, real bad out there, outside of the church, okay? So don't tell me about the utopia of 40 years ago, because it was still a broken, sinful world, and it will remain that way until the marriage supper of the Lamb, okay? So stop being shocked that the world has different ethics and value. Don't let it shock you. I'm not, listen, I'm not saying don't be broken. I'm not saying don't weep. But what I am saying is don't act like it's getting worse. It's, it's, it's always bad. It's just bad. I don't know what to tell you. But, but, let me talk out of the other side for a second here. What does trouble me, and when I do get concerned, is when the ways of the world make their way into the church, into the house of God. And that, that is reason to get up in arms. That is reason to start speaking out. That is why Jesus flipped tables. It wasn't because of the injustice going on in Rome. And trust me, there was plenty of it, okay? It was the most corrupt civilization like ever, okay? 
He didn't flip tables because of the injustice of Rome. It was because the injustice in the house of God that he let that, that rage fly up and it's justifiable rage. And let me tell you a, a, an ideology in the world that has creeped its way into the church. It is the supreme virtue of individuality. It has creeped its way into the church to a point where I can't even, I don't even have social media, but people send me these videos of things being taught in pulpits, and I'm like, please don't send me this stuff, okay? Because I'm getting mad, and I'm getting frustrated about what's going on and what's being taught. You gotta know something here. If, you gotta be willing to submit to one another. The reason that so many marriages are getting fractured is because we value the individual over the team. It's about me more than the team anymore, and this is, this is just creeping into the house of God. And so here's the principle, and then let me unpack it here. Submitting to one another prioritizes unity over individuality, okay? There are two extremes you can go here, whether it's about family or individuality, and both extremes are unhealthy. Because in some cultures, your only identity is in your family and you have no individual value whatsoever. And that is, there's a toxic place you can get in there as well, but we're not gonna talk about that because frankly, I don't think that's the case in America. We have gone the opposite extreme. And we say, nope, what's good for you is good for you. And the moment that anyone, including a family member, disagrees with what you think is good for you, you gotta leave them, shun them, abandon them altogether, shut it down. And let me tell you, that is not the gospel at all. Your individual identity matters to God. He knows the number of hairs on your head. Your individual identity matters to God. But the role of marriage and family is supposed to be one of unity to become one flesh. And again, I'm not a counselor, so just take this for what it's worth. But if you've got anything in your marriage where there are two and where there should be one, you should talk about your finances. I, I, I've seen it drive a wedge in so many couples. You got your separate bank accounts, and that's just a wedge waiting to happen, but I don't know, all right? You sort that out with your financial consultant, whatever. Two should become one. There is no yours and mine, it's, it's ours, and you've gotta get back to that point, and until you do that, submission will not be an option for you, but if it is, submission says, you know what? I do have some things I want. Frankly, I really miss sleeping eight hours a night. I really miss that. And I've got this guest bedroom on the other side of the house that looks very tempting sometimes. Can I be honest with you? Or I'm like, you know what? She's got this. I can't feed the baby anyways, right? But no, I choose to wake up every time. And this isn't brownie points for me, but I'll take them if you're giving it out. I mean, I, every diaper at night, I'm changing it, okay? Because I love that girl, all right? And I want her to love me back. So, so I, I'm doing everything I can do. And I'm submitting because I prioritize unity over individuality. What I want is less important than what's best for the collective body, okay? Why does this become so powerful? Because Jesus demonstrated it to us. He left behind the worship and the riches in heaven to put on flesh and come to us because he prioritized unity with us more than the individual worship he was receiving. It's the only thing in heaven he didn't have was relationship with you and I. And how could we dare worship a God that would do that for us, and yet we say we don't wanna do that for our spouse or our child or our sibling or, frankly, anyone in the world? He did it for us. Why would we not do it for him? Pray for unity, 
But you need to also understand, I'm on all my hot topics here. I might as well just keep going here. Can I tell you another pet peeve I got? Here's the, I only get like eight to 10 times a a year to preach. And when I do, I got a lot to say, okay? So (laughs) I store it all up. I got notes in my phone. I got a lot to say. Can I tell you one thing? Oh, and, I, and this is good, and I want you to hear what I'm not saying. We need to pray for unity, like in our country, in our families. You should pray for unity. That should be the first thing ever. I'm not even gonna say anything after that that takes away from that. You should, okay. But pray for unity, understanding that you play a part in that, okay? When you pray for unity, you're not just praying, God, zap those bad people out there with my perspective so that, that we can be unified. Unity requires something of you. If you are a Christian, guess what? You are more empowered with the ability to take the first step towards unity. Waiting on this sinful world to take the first step is not gonna work. How's that working for us? Instead, what we do is we pray for unity, but we don't even do anything to bring unity. Jesus didn't just sit up in heaven and say, okay, man, I hope they get it together, God. I sure would love to just have them up here with us, but I don't know, they better figure it out. No, he took the first step. If you are in an estranged marriage right now, take the first step, get in there. Is it gonna be messy? Yes. Are you gonna have to eat some crow? Absolutely, but guess what? How much crow did Jesus have to eat when he came to earth for us? Look to your heavenly Father, He will bring unity to us. I got two more points here, and I'm gonna fly through these. Ephesians chapter six. Children, obey your parents in the Lord. In the Lord, okay? For this is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with a promise, so that it may go well with you and that you may enjoy life on this earth. Remember, again, obedience is only whenever the parents are in the Lord. We will obey every command that is in alignment with scripture. But anytime you get a commandment, children out there, and you're all children, even if you are a parent, you're still a child, okay? Honor is still an expectation even when you're older than 18, okay? How you, t- how, by the way, I don't know, I feel led to say this. How is your mom and dad doing? How are they doing? When's the last time you called them? I know they're getting old. I know they're getting real lonely. You need to check on them. Honor does not have an expiration date. You honor those fathers and mothers out there. Even if they are not honorable people, you show honor to your father and mother. So we're only obeying commands that are obedient to God. But verse three shows us that biblical submission, it just, it just makes things more enjoyable, okay? And that's the sixth principle here. Ensure that we will enjoy life together. When we submit to one another, it makes family so much better. Can I tell you guys from my own story here? My wife and I, we've always had, a, genuinely, we always have had a really great marriage. But there's something about when I made a decision, the moment she told me that we were gonna have a child, I made a decision in my head, I'm gonna do everything I can for this girl. Everything. And, and I didn't expect anything back in return. And I, made, I postured myself in that way. And I am telling you, it has been the most enjoyable. Now we're tired, okay, and there's pee everywhere, all right, but we're tired. But this has been the most fun season of our lives. It's enjoyable when you submit to one another. You start to realize your way isn't even that good anyways. Getting things your way is not all that fulfilling anyways. Setting that aside, serving your family, that ensures that you will enjoy life together. Last, uh, Last verse here, I gotta hurry. Fathers, 
fathers, this is all parents, by the way. Parents, do not exasperate your children. Instead, bring them up in the training and, and instruction of the Lord, okay? So we're not gonna beat them down. We're gonna bring them up. There is a way that parents can submit to their children. And listen, this is not me teaching this new idea of, well, I wanna be a cool mom. I wanna be there. I wanna be her best friend, right? I, I don't wanna be Levi's best friend. He needs a dad. He's gonna have plenty of friends. He needs a dad. He needs a father. He needs a mother, okay? So I'm not saying withhold instruction, but can I tell you, man, some of your kids, they're worn out. You are wearing these kids out because you're not understanding a principle of submission. Yes, you have all the power, but what are you doing with it? How do you leverage that power? And this is the principle here. Submitting to one another emphasizes development, not domination. When your children ask why, don't just say because I said so. Listen, and I know it's funny and it makes a good video on TikTok, but can I tell you, you are stifling the development of your kid. Quit getting annoyed by them. They wanna learn, they wanna develop, they wanna grow, but you're making it all about what's inconvenient to you. Domination says, do what I say, when I say it, because I don't want you to annoy me. I don't want you to get in the way. Be less concerned about your power and the influence and the respect that you're getting. Be more concerned about their development, their growth. That is what a godly submission looks like for a parent. Not letting them have their way, but raising them up in God's ways. That's what it looks like. So, closing question here. This is what we're gonna talk about. Some of you, family is such a painful topic to you, and you can't even imagine having a healthy family. I wanna invite you to this. I wanna invite you right now into God's family. Can I tell you this? Maybe you're single. Look, God is the perfect spouse. He's the perfect spouse. He, he will meet all of your needs. The needs you didn't even know that you had, he will meet them. Maybe you don't have a close relationship with your father or with your mother. Can I tell you, he's the best dad. He's the best dad because he never changes. He sees you right where you're at. He's got the power to give you everything you need and he's got the tenderness to meet you at the point of your need. He is everything. So no matter how painful the subject of family is for you today, my invitation to you is this. Come home to Jesus because he already showed his willingness to submit and to serve by taking on a cross. Now it's your decision to submit and serve him out of reverence for him, and it will lead you to submission to others. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Here's the invitation today. If you're in here today, I don't wanna emotionally hype you up, but if you are not in the family of God and you wanna get in the family of God today and embrace the sacrifice that Jesus made for you, I invite you to raise your hands right now, and then you can just hold them up for just a moment here. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, God. Let me pray for you today. Father, I just thank you for your word. I thank you that we could be followers of you. We can be children of you. We can be your bride. We can be everything, God. And all you've called us to do is honor and revere you and submit to one another. May nothing be beneath us today. As followers of Jesus, we are committed to following your example, that you humbled yourself to the point of the lowliest servant, and we will go and do likewise, not because they deserve it, not because they demand it, but because it's an act of worship to you. We love you and we thank you, Jesus. In your holy name we pray, amen, amen. Come on, church, can we thank God for his word today?